everybody online, I just want to thank you for joining us today and everybody that's here. As I always say, it is a privilege and honor to have an opportunity to, to share what Jesus has done in my life and just out of my commitment to him being willing to share with you some of the silly things that I've encountered along the way in my, my journey of faith, but most importantly, that personal relationship that changes everything. So I hope that's what you hear today, is that Jesus changes everything. So uh, about a week or two ago, I had an opportunity for work. I went to Vermont to work and um, had to film some things. And do you remember that storm that kind of came through here? Well, it followed me in my little airplane all the way to Vermont. <clears throat> and I felt like, I don't know if you remember that Barney Rubble episode where he discovered the pedal and he could pedal the little cart and it would Well, that's what my plane was like all the way to Vermont. So I get there, and the sun's just about to set, and it's beautiful. There are, the trees are gorgeous. It's your typical, you know, in my mind growing up, it was Bob Newhart. I don't know if y'all remember that or not. But I, I kept looking for Bob Newhart's house, and, and just, uh, you know, the, the, all I really know about Vermont is as a kid, we would go skiing there, so they have snow at some point pretty quick, and, and maple syrup is apparently really good, and, and Bob Newhart. So anyway, I had a, had a vast knowledge of, of Vermont. And so as I was driving through this, these pristine places with these colorful trees and the storm is coming behind me and you can see the clouds in the rear view heading our way. Well, I end up in this really small hotel. It's one of those uh, really quaint one-level hotels with where you park right in front of the door. You know, that's, that's pretty standard apparently in Stowe. And, and so I parked right in front of the door, backed right up, got in there, and I was going to meet everybody else at 4 o'clock in the morning is when we were going to go to work. And so uh, the storm is starting to roll in, and all these beautiful trees started to rustle and make a really interesting sounds, right? So I'm sitting in this little hotel room, and the storm is starting to blow a little stronger, and then I start to hear more cracks and wisps and bangs, and I'm like, the trees went from beautiful to dangerous pretty quick in my mind. And then all of a sudden, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I hear a boom! And the tree hits the ground, apparently the transformer blew, wind gust, and an enormous tree hit the ground right behind our building. And the floor shook, and the power went out. Uh, now, now I know several things. Bob Newhart, really beautiful trees, maple syrup, and dark. Vermont is one of the darkest places I've probably ever encountered. When the power went out, the power was out. I went to look through the little peephole in the hotel room door because I couldn't find my phone, and I went to look through, and I could see nothing. So I couldn't tell. Well, am I in one of those movies where there's somebody outside with their finger over the hole? Or, or is it truly this dark? And so I got the bright idea, I'm going to find my phone. So I find my phone, and of course, it's got like 10% charge, okay? This is how things happen when you're, you're in a storm, right? And so I, I find my car keys, and I look through the hole, and I go, oh, and, and now I can not only not only see dark, I see red spots because it was so bright in comparison. Well, the next day when we finally got to work and all this happened, you're like, what does this have to do with, with Jesus? I realized that I heard this a lot the next day. Oh, thank God it didn't fall on my car. Thank God I could get to work. Thank God they moved the trees out of the road. Thank God, you know, I could feed the cows this morning. I mean, there was all sorts of thank gods going on. But does thank God really mean thank God? It began to get on my nerves all day long. Oh, you know, we had to wait. We were filming something where we had a strict schedule and everything got delayed because the power was out. And then when it finally came on, you hear this resounding group of really smart people go, oh, thank God. 
Was it gratitude? No. It's a saying. It's like saying, gee whiz, whoopity-doo, pickles. Thank God. It had no personal meaning. It had no real gratitude reflected in that saying. And then I began to realize the, the, the power of you. You represents relationship. When I say, oh, thank, means nothing. <laughs> thank you. It means something. Love. <laughs> okay. It's all about me at that point until you say, I love you. You got to add the relationship component. And that's when I realized that maybe that's the difference in some of our our gratitude or understanding of who God is, is is making sure that that relationship component is always there. It's not just thank God, it's thank you, God. I know you. Do you know him? And if you do, when you are grateful, be very specific. Thank you, God. So I had this idea. It's usually preceded by really bad ideas, and then I thought I had a kind of a good idea, and then I started looking up the idea as I was trying to figure out how to share it with you guys, and I said, okay, what if we change it from a discussion of of just thank you to, well, we don't want to talk about Thanksgiving too soon, because that's in a couple of weeks, but maybe it's thanks living. Maybe we need to start thinking about how to say thanks living or how to be a part of thanks living and I thought what a great idea until I realized other people had already thought of that and then and then uh like like these people up here who are like saving a turkey Thanksgiving the new vegan holiday I mean that's stuff that I had never even considered right but in my heart thanks living is really where I'd, I'd like to get. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to find those things where you can be grateful despite your circumstances, where you can find something to be happy about even when everything seems complicated. That's thanks living. I started, you know how I am. I got to know the meanings of words and where they come from and all that stuff. And so I started looking up gratitude and just good old Webster. Well, it's the quality of feeling of that feeling of, or of being grateful or just thankful. It's a feeling of thankfulness or appreciation as in response to a gift or a favor. And so as I looked at Webster, I realized that Webster was really redirecting us away from how gratitude was intended by those three things. Right in the middle of gratitude, of course, is the big old I. All about I, me, mine, me, what I get, what I do, how much did you do for me? And then it's, of course, surrounded by feeling. Is that what gratitude in the scripture looks like? Is that what gratitude in your relationship with God looks like? Is it really all about how we feel about it? No. Thessalonians reminds us, Paul wrote, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you're sitting here today and going, oh, well, you know, what is God's will for my life? Start here. Start here. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks. That's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's He wants you to understand there's so much more He can give you. There's so much more He wants to provide you. That relationship with Jesus is active. That, that He cares for you in all circumstances. That's the basis of thanks living. Rejoice always. Well, Paul made it clear. Giving thanks is not based on our comfort 
or our contentment or our happiness. It's to be ongoing in spite of our circumstances. Not just when everything is going good or when we feel like it. Now, if we spend, I can spend a whole hour talking about Paul and all the horrible things that he went through. But I remember when I was writing uh, religious stories, we had to do a lot of research on Paul. And there was one thing that stuck out that I'd never heard. I'd heard about him being chained in the prison. I'd heard about him being his feet put in a stock and he was sitting there and chained to the wall. And heard all those things. And then I remember I was working with somebody in the Middle East one time and they were saying, oh, no, 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 it's a little bit different than that. And I said, well, well, what's missing from this picture? And he said, oh, you got to have a trough right here. And I said, what is the trough for? He goes, that's where the sewage ran through the prison. So there was an intensity of of every smell, both the the discomfort of his imprisonment, the, the sounds of people wailing and being beaten, and then the smell being accosted by the smells. And then can you imagine that smell? And, and now you're sitting there probably starving and hungry and realizing everyone else is still eating. It was all sorts of things that went on here. But in the middle of all of those things, give thanks. Not when everything is just going peachy, because that's easy. But giving thanks when you just don't feel like it. Feelings can lie. Feelings will talk you into your God being smaller than he is. Pray continually. That means without ceasing. Don't stop. Always on your mind. Don't let your idle thought moments turn into pity. So he said, wait a minute, pray without ceasing. Does that mean that I can't have conversations? No, but I'm saying when you're sitting in the car and you're thinking to yourself, well, so-and-so at work is really getting on my nerves and this and that's going on and I can't stand this and boy, is that frustrating me. Instead, go, God, help me with this. Lord, help me with that. I can remember when I had to drive to work every day, praying about the tunnel, praying about the traffic, praying about the people in front of me. I've told you before about, you know, what was it? Psalm 93 cut me off every day. I mean, we are praying about all those things on a daily basis. And some days, now that I don't make that commute, I miss having that 30 or 40 or three-day tour to get from here to Virginia Beach and back because it forced you to sit out a minute and talk to God. As busy as you were, you were still in a place you could do nothing more than drive. Praying without ceasing. Don't stop. There's always more to pray for. And in all circumstances, give thanks. That means the good, the bad, or the other. Find something to be grateful for. I've told y'all with the Las Vegas thing, it really bothered me. It was an epiphany for me to realize that where I had been for the past three or four years, God had protected me from being there because of what happened. And then I think to myself, you, you start to feel almost this guilt that you weren't there. But you have to realize that in all things, give thanks. Thank you, God. I'm sorry for what happened. I feel immensely horrible for all of those families and people, and I pray for them daily. But thank you, God, for sparing me, for helping me, for giving me, even in my my argumentative state of, oh, I need to do this or that or the other, protecting me from myself. Good, bad, other. In all things, give thanks. So when you're going to give thanks, 
When things are unknown, when you don't know what's going on, you don't know what to do next, you don't have a clue how it's going to work out, you don't know, fill in the blank with an unknown condition. Give thanks. Thank you, God, that I don't know what's going on. Thank you, God, I have no clue how my bank balance will exceed my bills. Thank you, God, that there is a way that you're making a way for me to get to point A to point B. Thank you. Because once you've asked God, God, help me, you have now transitioned transitioned into the receiving part of the process. Do you realize that? That when I pray, I say, God, help me. I need your help with this, Lord. These are the things that are on my mind. Please help me. He's heard me. He's a listening God. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. If your child came to you and said, hey, could you help me with this? And you say, sure. And then every five minutes for the next three days, is sure. Will you help me? Sure. Will you help me? Sure. All of a sudden, you become irritated at the asking. I said I would, but there's a timing thing. Glad to do it, but there's a timing thing. I'm your mama. I will take care of you, but there is a timing thing. Your need has been heard. I am willing, but on payday, I will fulfill that need. Does that make any sense? Sometimes there's a timing gap between the ask and the receive, But instead, when we talk to God, we forget that he's a loving, caring God that wants to fill your need. We forget that sometimes there's a time between when we ask for it and when we're actually ready to receive it. So in all things, give thanks. When the road ahead is rocky, you already know there's the medical report, there's the crazy people at work, something's going on that just feels like the path is hard. Give thanks. There's a reason. There's something going on. God is preparing you for something. If you have in your mind you are being prepared, if you have in your mind only God wants good things for you, then you endure the rocky road because you know there's something good at the end of it. Give thanks. When the unexpected happens, I don't know where the sign is, but I don't want to drive there. But when the the unexpected is happening, and you say, I didn't ask for that. Why? Well, I see so much on the news right now of everybody asking why. I don't have those answers. God has those answers. But what I do know is that in all things, give thanks. Thank you, God. There is something good coming out of all of this. Because what's the alternative when you don't have all the answers? Are you going to be the answer maker? Are you going to be the one that's going to turn bitter because you just can't put all the pieces together? Because now the impact far exceeds the initial. Now it's impacting you and your livelihood and and your ability to understand how much God loves you. So when the unexpected happens, our need to understand it is less important than our need to give thanks. We need to get to that point where, thank you, God, I don't, it scares me. I'm afraid of what happened. I'm acknowledging it to you, Lord. I don't really, I don't understand, but thank you, God, you got good things for me. Again, I don't know where this is, but I don't want to live there. (laughs) So when the unexpected And I'm just going to put this one in the people category. When people become unexpected, when things start to happen that you didn't really anticipate, when they don't respond the way you thought they'd respond, when they don't love you back when you loved them first, all those things that can just derail you and throw you off the road, 
Thank you, God, that there's something in there you are protecting me from. There's something, Lord God, you have for me. There's something more you've called me to do. Thank you, God. I'm not telling you easy things today. This is hard. But it's something that Paul, in the middle of the prison, this epiphany of understanding the power of gratitude to God, of understanding the power of God, allowed him to sing and praise the Lord, chained to the wall, sitting on the ground, legs in the stocks, hoop running through a trough, everything horrible, the sounds terrible, and he's saying, blessed be to God. My life is easy in comparison. I started to put a picture of his sandals up here because those are shoes that I seriously don't think I could walk in. But in our day-to-day life, without any of those issues, we fall short in realizing that even in the little stuff that trips us up, there's an opportunity for gratitude. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me and you. All right? I don't ever stand here with answers. I'm standing here sharing with you my search for them. And of course, there's this. When you just feel directionless. Again, that is one efficient place to live right there. I don't know what you're doing, but don't you go to the left or the right or back or forward. You just hold tight right there. And we've all reached those places in our lives when you just don't know which way to go. And when all else fails, stop and give thanks. Thank you, God. I don't know. I can't tell you how many. I've told Nicholas, you know, I remember as a kid I had a, um, a Pontiac Fiero, which I thought was like a cool car, bought it used. Little did I realize it was just a bomb on wheels. But nonetheless, it was, it was always having problems. We get to this intersection when I'm younger, and I used to feel like, oh, yeah, it's four-cylinder. Let me be real clear with you, okay? Four-cylinder. There's a a reason it's shaped like that, so that you can actually just get it down the road. But um, anyway, the light turned green, and I I was up on 134, and the light turned green, and something said, stop! And it wasn't like out here, it was in here, but so I stopped, and about that time, a tandem dump truck ran the light. Sometimes that is the direction. Don't do anything! Hold it! And there's a protection that comes from that. Because me and that tandem dump truck, I'd have, I'd have been a splinter. There'd have been nothing left of me. But you have to give thanks. Sometimes no direction is the direction. Hold it. Wait. Wait. So in all circumstances, give thanks. Good, bad, or the other. And it's kind of like on the back of my shampoo. It'll tell me what to do. Wet your hair, lather, rinse, repeat. Okay, so, all right. So here we are. Rejoice always, no matter what's going on. Going to pray continually, and then I'm going to repeat that process. That's really the kind of the three-step process of glorifying God on a daily basis, allowing God to work in your life, seeing big things happen, Building that sense of expectation that something good's coming because somewhere between, Lord, please help me, and thank you, God, you've helped me. Here you go again, Lord. Lord, please help me. Thank you, God, for the answer. All of a sudden, your expector grows. You start to notice some things. You start to see the things change. I don't know about you, but I can easily pray to God, God, please help me with this. And then the help comes. 
And I move on to the next thing. I am trying very diligently to figure out how to stop and notice the answer. Because more often than not, the problems present themselves big, large. They're like bears running at you through the forest. And every now and then you have to go, thank you, but uh, you saved me from this one last week. Thank you, Lord. That helps me to realize, as I'm looking at this one coming, God has got that one, has got that one also. It builds my expectation. So rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that's thanks living. And what those things really equal is the ability to have a grateful heart. Your heart needs to change. I had somebody tell me once, it's 12 inches from your head to your heart. And right in the middle of that is this thing. Okay? We have a tendency to think about something. We talk about something. But what I'm asking you to do is to let it drop. God loves me and cares for me far more than I could ask or think. Let it go by this part that needs to discuss it with everybody on Facebook and on the telephone and everywhere else. Let it drop right into here for a minute, spend some time with him and go, wow, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. It begins to change what comes out of here. Now talk to Facebook. So grateful heart. I'm a, you know me in numbers, so I'll just give you seven things. Seven amazing ways a grateful heart will empower your life. All right? Here we go. A grateful heart reminds us we are not in control and that we serve a mighty God who is fully capable to supply all our needs. God can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. We heard that a thousand times, but here's one you may not have heard. Uh, Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Truth and thankfulness go together. Once you said, all right, Lord, I believe. Jesus, I accept you as Lord and personal Savior. God, I know you want to take care of me and you have your goodness for me. Your faith grows strong in that truth. Now, no matter what's going on, you can figure out how to be thankful. There is always something to be thankful for. A grateful heart takes our eyes off of ourselves and helps us focus on God. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. We sing this. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That's in Lamentations. Look, begin afresh each morning is really critical. Because we have this tendency to go to bed thinking about what happened yesterday. And then we wake up the next day and we're still mad about what happened yesterday or we're frustrated or anxiety-ridden or we wake up in a gasp thinking about it. His mercies are new every day. You can't exhaust his mercy. He loves you that much. A grateful heart helps us to recognize that we have so much to be thankful for, even all of the little day-to-day things in our lives. If you're sitting here today and you go, look, I'm having trouble with gratitude. I, in my own life, in the past two or three weeks, have started to practice on the things I take for granted. Thank you, God, I have a car to drive. I don't care what kind of car it is, but thank you, God, I have a car to drive. Thank you, God, that I have a son. Thank you, God, that I have a home. Thank you, God, that I have food in the fridge. 
Some days it's thank you, Lord, McDonald's is on the corner. But nonetheless, my point is, making yourself thankful even for the littlest of things starts the process of being able to recognize things to be thankful for. I had a coach in college when we played ball, and he would say, he said, look, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. And we'd all look at each other like, what? In other words, if you're practicing it wrong long enough, it becomes a permanent wrong way to do it. So all of our lives, criticize, condemn, and complain has been the empowering moments. We've seen, in my opinion, a revolutionizing of that concept with Facebook and social media because if you're not happy with your taco, if you're not happy with your coffee, you post it on the corporate website, I don't like you, and they give you $50 worth of coffee to shut up. Now, that may sound just a little bit too direct or crass, but my point is we've, we've adapted that criticizing, condemning, and complaining are the ways to get what you want. And I'm trying to tell you that that's not how God does this. That's not the point. Praise. If you want God to really open his blessings in your life, figure out how to be grateful for what he's already done for you. We, I asked somebody this week, they said, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. What has he done for me? And I said, can you tell me what does he need to do to impress you? And I'm going to ask all of you, what does he need to do to impress you if the cross somehow isn't enough? What do you need? And of course, she had a dollar figure, commas and zeros. And I said, okay, if God provided those commas and those zeros, does that change your relationship with him? Does he have to buy your faith and love in order for you to accept him as personal savior? She was like, well, it would help. That's, that's when in your heart you go, because the lightning bolt, I want to be about this far. But my point is, when you're dealing with people that don't understand the power of the love of Jesus, they have missed the part that says, look, I need to trust God first. Then he provides for me. Because otherwise, if you don't know God, and you don't trust him, and good things happen, your pride takes correct, your pride takes a hold of that and says, look what I did. And the truth of the matter is, if all of us in concert praying for someone, God has split the sea and is changing her life and she doesn't even realize it. But I want to ask all of you today, is the cross enough? Is that enough to motivate you to have a gratitude list? Because these are questions I've had to ask myself. Is it enough? Yes. Is it enough to make me want to be grateful instead of worrying so much about all the things that appear to be missing? When in some cases, it's God's timing protecting me from things or God's timing providing things that I never even dreamed of. But you know something, folks? We are willing to settle for less than God's best. We're willing to grab the first thing. I saw a little thing on the, on the television the other day talking about patience and children. And they set one marshmallow on a plate. And the kid was sitting there in a room by himself. And they said, look, if you can hold out, the kid loves marshmallows. They said, if you can hold out, when I come back, I'll give you two. But don't eat it. 
And so they put the camera on the kid and you see him lamenting and anguishing and oh my God. And, and then he picks it up and he goes, and he puts it back. But he knew that there's something good coming. He knew he was going to get two or maybe the whole bag if he could just hold off. Just hold off. We've got to be like that, folks. Don't grab the first marshmallow. Hold off. Wait, God's best is coming. Don't settle. But it starts with gratefulness. Thank you, God, for the first marshmallow. But I love to have two. Okay. And you can see this kid having that thought process. You can see him going, I love it so much. I would love to have more. I'd love to have more. We've got to get to that expectation. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We've got to stop being so downcast when we talk about Jesus. Jesus loves me. This I know. Now I've got to start acting like it. Gratitude. If you can't think of one thing to say thank you God for, start with thank you God, you died for me. Move on from there because I have a feeling everything else is pretty much below that. A grateful heart has no room for complaining. This is a hard one, folks. It's hard because it's easy to complain. My back hurts. My leg hurts. I went and watched all these knee surgeries and all this stuff. And I was praying the whole time. God, please, please, please don't let me get sick. And it was really funny that it was like God just flipped the switch and I was Discovery Channel and I really didn't care. Okay, and it was all good. But then when I got off the plane, I stepped wrong and my knee went weird. And I'm like, oh, please, Lord, no. Because <laughs> I, I don't want no. It's a difference here. It's perfect. I don't want none of this right here. So he say, buddy, I had a new empathy for you, brother. So and all those things, we can we can easily find things to complain about. I bet if I told you right now, come up with ten things that you don't like or that you just are frustrated with. No problem. But the minute I say, tell me something you're thankful for. Have you noticed we have to stop and think? Are you breathing? All right, let's put that right under, died for me on the cross, in and out, the gift of life, okay? All right, so uh, it's impossible to be genuinely thankful and filled with negativity at the same time. So if you run up to somebody, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I love Jesus, but boy, they got on my nerves and I can't stand him and he gets this and that's this and my sin. All right, thankful heart cannot, cannot complain at the same time. There's a choice. You're going to have to flip the switch and go into negative zone. And then you're going to have to stop. And then, oh, thank you, Lord. But you can't do them both at the same time. Now, I see some of you going, I can. All right. We talk about that later. All right. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will let all of the marvelous things you have done. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. So when you're in doubt of what to say, come up with something that God has done for you and share it. There it is. I told you. It makes the, the enemy flee. A grateful heart makes the enemy flee. It forces, the forces of darkness cannot stand to be around hearts that give thanks and honor to God. All right? We don't like to talk about it much. We try to shy away from it when we're talking about heaven, hell. When we start talking about devil, God, 
But I'm going to tell you right now, it's real. The powers and those principalities and powers that want to defeat you, that want to drag you down, that want to make you just gravitate to everything is awful. They are working hard every day. But the minute you say, thank you, God, it is a shuddering in the depth of hell that you have acknowledged that there is a God that is a Lord, that is a living personal savior who cares about you. I've told you before, as I've interviewed the, the people in the Satanist church and other things, and they'll say, well, well, we had to make an appointment, you know, and, God, and the Satan will show up at midnight and then at 12.15 and at 12.30. And all that told me is not omnipresent. Omnipresent is everywhere, all the time, right? Our God is omnipresent, everywhere, all the time. Whatever you need, he is there for you personally. Gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving are powerful. Cars on the side of the road, got a flat tire. A, cuss, fuss, kick the tire, pitch fit, going to be late, rage. We're people, those things happen. In that moment, something happens, and now you're mad. Nothing's good. You don't realize that who drove by saw you raging, pitching a fit. Now you've impacted somebody else with your reaction. Can you imagine the difference? Or maybe your eye would change a little bit to the solution. Well, thank you, God. I know that must be a reason for this. I'm late. going to be late for work. Thank you. You're going to help me to get it over with my boss so he's not upset. Thank you, God, you're going to help me get this car fixed. God, please help me. And then somebody pulls up. Now, that same person probably wouldn't have pulled up if you'd have been raging, kicking the tire, pitching a fit, and had this general... Have you ever walked in a store and saw somebody with the general disposition of, don't talk to me? Right? I love those people because I always say, hey, how you doing? (laughs) I get on, fine. I don't care. It's just fun to me that you can see that they're so busy trying to tell me not to talk to them that it's just fun. But my, my point in that is that, that gratefulness is visible. Situations can change in an instant based on your reaction. That epiphany that maybe the reason you had a flat tire is because you avoided an accident two miles up the road. Often, we don't get the benefit of seeing the why I think that's why the Las Vegas thing got on my nerves so much is all of a sudden I had the benefit of seeing the why and the where and the how. But we don't often have that connection. So back here in the unknown, we need to be grateful. There's a reason for everything. A grateful heart opens the door for continued blessing and it invites his presence. I'm going to challenge you this week that if you start even for five seconds when you get out of bed in the morning, thank you, God, for this day. I guarantee you, your day will be different. You have invited his presence. You have acknowledged his position of importance in your life and that he gave you the day you are about to start. It will change everything. Our spirits are refreshed and renewed in him when we are grateful.
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't even need QVC youth serum. He will renew my youth. He will restore my soul. He will redeem my life. He'll save me from the pit. He will crown me with steadfast love. All of that is available to me. And when you're singing in this particular psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul, it's a way of saying thank you, God, from the depths of my being, thank you. You have saved me. You have healed me. You have helped me. And you give me your love and you've promised a renewing. Do you need that? I need it. We all need it. It's the recognition, it's the ability to recognize that it's available to you that sometimes we miss. And a grateful heart. God delights in our thankfulness. And pours out his spirit and favor on those who give honor and gratitude to him. I will add to their numbers and they will not be decreased. I will bring them honor and they will not be disdained. Scripture says you can have favor with kings if only you ask. Where are the kings? Is the guy at work? Is it the boss? Is it the power company? I don't know. Who's the king? I know who my Lord and personal Savior is, but God is helping us to understand, look, I realize that there are people that you're dealing with, but I'm going to give you favor. You want something powerful in your life? Praying for the favor of God. Favor of God is powerful stuff. And now all of a sudden you're saying, thank you, God, in advance. Thank you for your favor in this meeting today, God. As I'm going to meet with these people, thank you, God, for your favor. For you working out the details. For you helping things to go better than I can imagine. Because I'm a little intimidated going in. But I know you're going with me. Thank you. Gratitude changes things. It changes hearts. It changes people. It changes us. It is not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy let's try that again because that took me a minute when I first read it it is not happy people who are thankful it is thankful people who are happy when you're happy with what you got God's going to give you more if all you can see is what you don't have he's going to wait for you to get to happy That's a hard thing to realize. But on the surface, it looks the opposite. But the truth of the matter is, if you can be thankful even in the small things, it changes everything. So a grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done in Psalm 91. Can you imagine that a grateful heart is magnets for the things that we've prayed for? It's a magnet going, God, I love you and I appreciate you so much. I know, like with Nicholas, I've been trying to tell him, when we go somewhere and I do something and he says, oh, thanks, Mom, that's awesome. Boy, does that make me feel good. I want to do it again. Right? But when they go, "Eh, 
You're thinking in the car all the way home. Never again. <laughs> it changes things. I don't know if you can see this or not. There was an anomaly that happened in the UK. Kind of like crop circles. But somebody went out on all the sheep in the field and started painting smiley faces on them. <laughs> right? Now, it says that we all like sheep. You know, we've gone astray. So we are the sheep. And I realize that what I have told you today about being grateful, you might have to fake it till you get there. All right? But I, I want you to give it a try. Give gratitude a try. Give the ability to be thankful a try. It will change the way you see life and the way you do things. So now I need to tell you about something really important. All right? It's really fun to me when I say the church has left the building because we are here for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. If I shut up, we'll be done a little quicker. But nonetheless, we're here for a, a period of time which is but a flicker in the week. So there's lots of stuff that goes on 24 hours a day. And one of the things that I wanted to, to share with you is a few years ago, I told Buddy about this place. It changed my life. 1989. I went to the Philippines on my first missions trip ever. First time I ever witnessed to somebody was here. And the reason this kind of changed my life was that to me it was like, oh yeah, I'm going on a trip. Signed up with a church group and I went. I'm walking down a dirt road in front of this place. I didn't put any people in the pictures because I got a couple of people you'll see in a minute. Because, hello all my friends in the Philippines, they watch every week. So, pag palain kanang dios. I just messed that up and that means God bless you, my friend. <laughs> All right. All right. So I was coming down the road, uh, banana stalks on each side of the road, walking down kind of a dirt path, okay? And I am, I don't know, 21. And so I'm walking down the road. I'm just like gobsmacked because I've never been out of the United States before. I've never seen bananas on the side of the road. All right, so I am so, so, so totally out of my element. And this lady comes running up to the edge of the road, and she looks down the road at me, and she screams and runs back. Well, I'm about from here to the pool, okay? But I see her scream and run back, and I'm like, uh-oh. You know, I didn't know if I was in the wrong place, walking on somebody's uh, land that I shouldn't be on. I don't know. I keep the guy with me that you'll meet in a minute. says, I'll keep going, keep going. So, okay, all right, I'm, I'm still going. And uh, a few minutes later, I see her come back, and two or three heads go like this, and they look beyond the banana trees, and they say, oh, you're the bananas! They're yelling at me. They're all pointing. And I'm like, What? And he says, keep going, keep going. So, okay. Well, I finally get there, and this little old lady comes out, and she grabs my shirt. And she said, I knew you were coming. I didn't know I was coming. How did she know I was coming? I saw you in a dream six months ago, and I knew you were coming. Six months ago, I didn't know I was going. Six months ago, I didn't have the money to go. Six months ago, it seemed an impossibility. She said, no, you've got to come. And she drags me in, and I go into this hut, and laying in this hut is this guy who's been laying there for six months. And the villagers start to say, oh, yeah, they say he's going to die, going to die. He's going to die. I am no, I am a 21-year-old greenhorn. All I know is you got to wear a skirt when you're in town, and don't mess up anything, and don't say this or that. I've studied all the cultural relevant things. And all I wanted to do was just be a blessing. And if that meant carry water or whatever, I'll do it. Meanwhile, this lady has grabbed me and drugged me into this house. And the, the smell in the house was of someone who had been sick for a long time. And she said, God told me. And she's telling me all this through the translator. You are going to pray for him. 
I'm out of my wheelhouse, folks. I know Jesus is my Lord and personal Savior. I know he does big things. But there's no ego in me that says, oh, well, I am here to heal the sick. And I said, really? He said, yes, yes, yes. It was like, hurry up, get on with it. I said, okay. So I shut my eyes and I pray. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray. None of that stuff. All I know is who to pray to. That I knew. Prayed for this older guy. And I'm praying like this, with one eye open. Because I want to see whatever God's doing, I don't want to miss it. And I'll never forget, he turned over. And both of my eyes open, and I'm still praying. And he sits up, and the room erupts with prayer. And he sits on the edge of the bed, and the, they all start praying in Tagalog. He stands up, they're all cheering in Tagalog. He walks out, and we have a revival right here. And I stand to the side going... Because I had no idea. Point of that little story is this place changed my life forever. Because I saw how great God is with just an average person. That if you're willing, if you'll show up, if you'll get on a plane or a train or a car or a boat or a bicycle and you'll go wherever he tells you to go and you'll say, okay, God, I showed up, that he'll make the rest happen. So I came home from that trip. That's me. And I wrote music for television shows for a long time, and I had given it up because of some other things. I'll share that testimony later. But I came home with a song after this experience. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer for these. Touch them, Lord, and give them peace. Show them your perfect way and give them childlike faith. Because they believed it could happen. So in the middle of all that, I formed a lifetime friendship with this guy. He is the Filipino Buddy Chapman. (laughs) Yeah, that is brown hair. (laughs) Just point that out. All right. All right. There he is right there. His name is Nick Abaye. Recognize the guitar? Hold on here. This is just a few weeks ago. And I started coming to church. I started asking Buddy. I said, Buddy, I've been trying to support my friend the best I can in his ministry. He's been dedicated in a very hard place to ministering the gospel. And I said, how do you feel about missions? How do you feel about supporting, helping in a church that's way out in the middle of nowhere, doing some really cool things? And he said, well, tell me about the guy. So I introduced them, and they started Facebooking and FaceTiming. And technology's just grand. Even when you're in a poor place, you can use the Internet. And they began to communicate. So I'm here today to tell you guys what you've been doing. We're little as much. Do you know that, that the peso, one dollar, one U.S. dollar is 52 pesos. So a little can do a lot in the Philippines. You're uh, This little place right here, uh, he invites the children in to eat because he calls it a feeding center. Worship and feeding center. So they come in to eat, and then while they're eating, he teaches them how to praise the Lord. Right here, you'll notice it says, Keep the Promise Ministries as a sponsor. In these barrios in the middle of nowhere, he's building churches. And I'm talking barefoot or in your sandals, picking up whatever you can, go finding your cement, schlepping it on motorcycles or small trucks, getting cinder blocks, whatever's necessary. And then he's continuously sending daily updates. Here is how I am doing the good work of the Lord with what you guys have blessed me with. Thank you. 
He sends updates, and I know Buddy shares some of these things. They, cut a, they did a ribbon cutting over the cornerstone of the church, and they prayed over it. And while they were praying over the cornerstone of the church, they prayed for everyone here because they consider us part of their cornerstone. They're feeding ministries. He's taken some of what we've given him, and they go and buy bags of rice. There are a lot of starving people. Every time you see a typhoon go through, it doesn't make much news here, but it wipes things out there. He puts together these small bags, and they go home and feed families with the rice that they've been able to provide. Again, that's part of Keep the Promise. And this one really touches my heart. When I was in Manila, we, I went to some of these places. And the one in Manila, they, they closed it down and shuffled the people off because too much press. Most people that fly into the Philippines, they'll go to Manila, but they won't go to the outreaches or the far-off areas. This is a dump. These children live on the dump. Everything they get to eat, everything they wear, comes off that dump. Until you guys helped. He's given them clothes. He's giving them food. He's doing a weekly Bible study at the dump. You guys help that to happen. This is Nick. That's Buddy. See the resemblance? <laughs> uh, that's vitamins for kids because the diseases are rampant and sometimes it's just a disease that can be prevented by simply vitamins. And so teaching Young parents, what to do, teaching the children how to take them. That's all stuff you guys are currently doing every day. They hang a sheet on whatever wall or a bus or a car, and there's a small projector. And I've sent him lots of movies for kids that I've worked on. That's the Jesus film. He'll show the Jesus film on the side of a bus on a sheet, and you'll have an evangelism break out in the middle of a little community. And people come to know Jesus right there in a dirt lot, with a bed sheet. You guys are doing that. And then most recently, they needed something for praise and worship because he was borrowing instruments every Sunday so he could play. And they bought a guitar and an amplifier, and I knew I had to put that one in there because Filipino buddy was rocking. So a grateful heart is the magnet to miracles. You guys have been a miracle to these people in the Philippines who are grateful for even the smallest of things. There is an amazing amount of gratitude that they express. So on behalf of them, I would like to thank you for helping for several things. One, for helping them fulfill God's given call on their life. And for helping me break the remote. And for helping me fulfill the promise that I made to him years ago when I left that I'd never forget. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I just come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I pray, Lord, in each and every one of us that you would, Father, ignite a grateful heart. Help us, God, to be grateful for the small things. Help us, God, to pray for the big things. Help us, God, to expect you to provide more than we can ask or think. But I pray, God, that cycle repeat as the challenges of everyday life just cause us some days, Lord, to wonder where you are. But I thank you, God. You are always consistent. You are always caring. You are always loving. You are there for us. And sometimes you are just simply waiting for us to acknowledge you as Lord and personal Savior. So, Lord, right now I pray for anyone who's listening who said, Look, I loved the Lord once, maybe when I was a kid, but now I don't know where I stand. 
right now. I pray for you right now. That you would hear God calling you home. You would hear him saying, I love you. I care for you. I want to take care of you. I want you to know the blessings that I can bestow in your life. But I most especially want you to know the power of eternity. I pray right now that you accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. It doesn't take much. It takes just a moment to say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you died on that cross for my sins. And that you rose from the dead and gave me the hope and promise of eternity if I believe in you. I accept you as Lord and personal Savior. If you prayed that prayer, God loves you. He always has. And now you're in a great position to hear his voice. You're in a great place to begin to hear his promises speak to you as you read his word. God, I pray for everyone that's listening right now, God, who's just struggled with hope, who's struggled with having a grateful heart, who's kind of been that glass half empty kind of person. I pray for them right now, Lord God, that they'd be able to clearly see all that you have done for them and all you're continuing to do for them. I pray, God, you give them the ability to thank you for the small things and to realize that You love and care for every single thing that they are so concerned about. I just really feel in my heart, there's some people that are saying, look, my needs are bigger than this. Your needs do not exceed God's greatness. God's got your back. He cares for you. He wants to answer. You don't need to fear his answer. God will never hurt you. He wants to help you. So, Lord, right now, we start the process. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for the promise of eternity. Thank you for loving each of us so much. In Jesus' name.